Welcome to Dorks on Sports, a podcast about four dorks talking about sports. My name is Daniel. Joining me, as always, is Curtis. How are you doing over there? I'm doing good. Yeah, it's good to see you. Yeah. You got like a nice glow to your cheeks. I think it's just lighting. Do you have a ring light there, or is it? No, you know who else? It's like a combination of the television and this, uh, this other, like, cheap sort of like value village type thing that mm-hmm. we've had. Curtis goes all out in the production values. Yeah, I can yeah. see that. Millie's got a new ring light. So if you want to check out uh the, our podcast listeners, if you want to check out YouTube, you can see all our pretty faces and Millie's got some new pro lighting going on there. Look at that. It's true. Um if you normally watch us on YouTube, I pretty much am a pale lavender um in every episode. <laughs> and uh my sweet nephew Mason sent me a little ring light for looks Christmas, good. So you've got some nice color in your face. Yeah, I'm rocking the lavender shirt. Uh, no makeup, just a little lipstick. So wow, yeah. look at that. Look at that. He's no got filters. good skin. You should share your uh, share your beauty tips with all uh, with all the listeners. We'll save that for another pod. <laughs> <laughs> And then we got Alana over there. Uh, tell, tell me about your background there, Alana. I mean, I, I do think it's fairly self-explanatory. <laughs> I don't mean to be the one who's like just sitting here laughing about what's happening in the house. But it is, in my opinion, legitimately hilarious. Where I, you... for one, am enjoying that whole clown oh, show. Yeah. For the podcast listeners, uh, it's a haiku for Kevin McCarthy that just goes, ha, 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 you loser. You loser. No, it's just, when you create a party that's built around sedition and disrupting the government and standing in the way of democracy happen, then at some point in time, you're going to have to reap what you sow and deal with the fact that people aren't going to listen to you, Kevin McCarthy. Hey, listen, when you elect a bunch of clowns into Congress, uh, you can't be surprised when they start acting like clowns. Yeah. yeah, That's just what happens. Sorry. And not to get political, but I think it's fair to say that people like Lauren Boebert, Matt Gates, and um, Marjorie Marjorie Taylor Greene are clowns. That's all. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, before we jump into, you know, our normal pod about Seahawks and all that, uh, I just wanted to talk a little bit about um, everything that happened with uh, DeMar Hamlin. For those who don't know, and I don't know how you don't know, because this is like the biggest sports news this week, but uh, DeMar Hamlin um in the middle of Monday night football, uh, collapsed in cardiac arrest, had to be revived on the field, um, and then was taken away in an aid car and put on oxygen um, and an induced coma. Um, And the game was uh, subsequently canceled. Um, A really scary moment if you were watching it live, um, especially you never want to see a guy get up from a tackle and then immediately collapse on a field. Um, and then, as, you know, when they start doing CPR and bringing out the defibrillators, that's um, really, really, really scary. And in a violent sport like football, um, it's the kind of thing that you always fear. 
Um, yeah. The interesting thing about this injury to me was that it wasn't especially violent or extraordinary. Um, it was like a totally routine play. Um, it didn't even look like the hit was that hard. Um, and he's so young, 24, I think. Um, really scary. Fortunately, uh, he regained consciousness today, even though he's still on ventilation um, and he's able to communicate uh, by writing. And from his communication, seems to be in relatively good spirits, all things considered, though he's still in critical condition. Um, but that news seems to be trending upward. Um, and I just wanted to, uh, I, th I thought we had to address it just as sports fans and football fans in particular. Um, this is like the one thing, you know, that you worry about. Um, so I wanted to throw it out and, uh, and get thoughts, opinions, and what this means to you and what it means to the sport. Um, Milana, do you want to, do you want to start? Do you want to talk about it? You have thoughts? Yeah. So I don't want to proclaim to be an expert in this particular topic or that I have any insight about the status of DeMar Hamlin. Uh, but I did want to talk a little bit about, I, as you noted in our little intro, we've been paying attention to what's happening in the house and uh, we're paying attention to what's happening here. And I think that there's a really interesting comparison mm. on hand between those two events. They're, they're, definitely the largest stories that are happening in our national media. And one of them is about something that's really important and is hilarious. And one of them is something that is important to a lot of people, but ultimately not about the core fabric of our country that is shown people to be human mm -hmm. in a way that I haven't seen mm -hmm. since 2016. You know, we're living in this era where all of our engagements are in this Zoom window, in this Zoom box. We're always, or sitting and looking at Facebook, we're always looking at screens in order to engage with other humans. And so other humans become screens. They don't become agents of their own destiny, agents of their own identities. Uh, and a large part of that is just what we've all gone through since, frankly, Trump was elected. Um, not to put any commentary on that, but it's really been hard, I think, on our national psyche and our ability to connect with one another and engage with one another. And just watching these two events unfold in the way that they have over the course of the last week, it's been really striking because we have this one story about the house where it's, it's people who were hired to sow division, continuing to sow division and unable, un, being unable to unite with one another mm -hmm. to, for this common goal of uh, electing Kevin McCarthy as um, their or the, speaker. The speaker. Thank you. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's kind of funny to see them bumble in that way, but it's kind of, it's, it's kind of sad points, but we take, take it with a fair bit of humor. But when we're watching DeMar Hamlin, we are seeing true humanity at every step in this way, in this um, situation. And I can't, I, I have to say that it's kind of special in a way, it's special might not be the right word, but it is meaningful 
that this has happened to a Buffalo Bills player. Because for those of you who don't aren't aware of the Bills fan base, they refer to themselves as Bills Mafia. Mm-hmm. And whenever something happens to one of the a player on another team, the first people who are engaged with that player's usually foundation are Bills Mafia. So when totally. a good example is a few years ago, um, uh, the dude from uh, Hawaii who plays on uh, New Orleans now, what's his name? Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton and the Cincinnati Bengals, I think, beat the Steelers on the last week of the season with when they had nothing to play for. And as a result, the Bills got into the playoffs. And this was, I think, in 2017, if I'm not mistaken. And the the excitement that was seen on Bills players for getting to the playoffs for the first time since their you know, heyday in the 90s, um, uh, there was so much excitement in that locker room. And that bled out to the fans. And the mm-hmm. fans went out and donated money to Andy Dalton, uh, Andy Dalton's charity. That was and such a did. cool story. It was such a cool story. And then it happened again and again and again and again. And they did it for Tua earlier this year um, mm-hmm. because he was injured in a game like that. And now the Bills fans are, are struck with su- supporting a player like DeMar Hamlin. And obviously they're going to find his foundation and donate to it. But you know what? So is every other fan base in this country. And I i mean, I donated a little bit just because I think that it's important to be a part of that kind of community swell. And the, the GoFundMe that is supporting his organization uh, has exploded to the point where it's like over $7 million um, and is one of the top 10 GoFundMe's of all time. And for the first time in six years, I'm looking at this and I'm looking at the number of people and the type of people who are responding to this call for care. And I know that sometimes we use the word prayer in that, but really what it is, is a call for care. Mm-hmm. And people are answering that call. And for the first time in six years, I feel like a part of a human community again. And I don't think that it's just And I think that that story is outweighing this other bullshit that we have going on in the house. We're looking at the stuff that's actually about the serious, I mean, the serious running the country thing. And it's providing us humor and levity for a lot of us, even though it's awful at the same time. Um, And then we're looking at, I I can look at what's happening with DeMar Hamlin and and the groundswell support around him and say, those are the people I used to know. Mm-hmm. And they're standing up and saying, this sucks. And I hope that your charity can be a beacon for people. Um, and it's really mean, meaningful to me to, to watch that and to see that uh, and, and to start to think like, hey, maybe where we've been has made us stronger and maybe where we've been will let us make better choices as a community, as a country, unified going forward. And, and one last thing I wanted to say, which is that um, DeMar Hamlin's family came out and said, thank you for supporting Chasing M's. Uh, I, we think it'd be a really good idea to donate to the Cincinnati um, uh, hospital where he is. I don't remember what the name of it. Oh, that's really uh, cool. Because we've got enough at this point in time. We don't know what we're going to do with that money. And so I think that that's a really good point that we should 
if you are of the type of person who is going to donate, that supporting that medical clinic, um, it's that they, they need it. That all these clinics need it. All these hospitals need it. Um, so, yeah, that's that's where I'm at. So feeling feeling like for for the first time in a while, I'm seeing positive come out of something that's been tragic. Yeah. Well, you know, I was on Twitter when it happened, just trying to get the news that seemed like um, that's where it was all coming from, because the, you know, the um, reporters on the ground uh, were in the locker rooms and they were getting the information. And it was the first time I think I've ever been on Twitter where there was actually like a unified front of people expressing, you know, like empathy and care universally mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. one person who didn't was skip bayless and everybody dunked on that idiot like the entire twitter sphere of nfl fans dunked on that fucking idiot um it was uh, from players to fans to fans of other teams i thought it was really really cool uh and his jersey is now the the top mm-hmm. jersey of this week so uh, you know that means that fans of other teams are buying that jersey. And uh, I just think that's really cool. I think mm-hmm. that's very, very cool. Uh, Millie, do you have anything you wanna add, talk about? Sure. Um, just gonna walk through the emotions of the last couple of days. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I was, I was watching the game live and it was such a strange, just such a strange sequence of events because it was a very normal tackle yeah. and saw him jump up, kind of shake, shake a little bit, just like you do when you jump up. And then all of a sudden he just goes down and you just sort of assume that this is probably a concussion. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you run through the emotions that we've, you know, normalized now of like, Oh, this game concussion CTE, like, Oh, how do I feel about this? And, um, I'm someone who is an empathetic person. I have a tendency to immediately try to identify with um, the person on whom I'm focused and and their realities. So for me, anytime someone is is seriously injured, it's 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 difficult. Yeah. And watching it in real time, it was like it just seemed like it was probably another injury. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, even the folks who were covering the game didn't know what was happening. And mm-hmm. so it was, you know, they came back and they're like, well, they've, they've been, they've been out there for a while, you know, and the, the players had created this wall so that the cameras couldn't get through. Mm-hmm. And the people who are speaking weren't entirely sure the folks back in ESPN headquarters and even people like later come to find like Scott Van Pelt who's watching all of the different feeds because as soon as Monday night games end we go to Scott and Mm -hmm. and he does all kinds of stuff um later talking to him like he was able to see feeds where he could actually see what was happening and that there was CPR being performed and all of that but for for the folks who are covering the game they didn't even know it was quite a while before they understood what was happening. And they're our lifeline within that moment. So it was sort of that ride of, oh, is he hurt? Oh, is he seriously? Mm-hmm. Oh, is it a concussion? Why are there so many horrible concussions this year? And a lot of them off of things that don't seem like 
major hits and you're running. And of course it was in Cincinnati that Tua had his horrible concussion with the, what is it called? The fencers hands or, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and so you're, you're flashing back to all of this only to it just, but it just kept going. Yeah. And it, it was very clear that this was not normal. Yeah. Uh, and the people that you rely on were at a loss. And there were a few things, you know, that were said that I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Because they're like, <laughs> I, I've never seen an ambulance on the field. Have you? And in my head, I'm like, are you fucking kidding me right now? <laughs> right, right. Right now, yeah, totally. And I think I even reached out to you. I was like, am I not? I mean, definitely when Tyler Lockett had his hit. Yes. You know, and, and Lockett. And yes, both of them actually. Um, those were. I was just like, no, 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 no. There have been ambulances yes. before. This is this is a very strange thing to say. And in retrospect, I think about it, and it is just. It was so clear that these folks who are so used to being able to be on top of the moment mm-hmm. were at such a loss that their own memories were failing them because they were mm-hmm. just like, I've never seen this, mm-hmm. and suddenly that meant they had never seen any of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just psychologically what that's like. And um, this was a Monday night where I was completely by myself. So it's one of those things emotionally too. When you're, you know, there's no one to share with. I was, I was messaging you all because I'm like, what are you here? What's happening? You know, and it was a little bit before we all started chatting. And it it was, it's that scared, lonely feeling you have when something horrible's happened. And you don't have that shared human experience yet of, of understanding what's going on and, and, and how it affects everything else that's important yeah. to you in your world. And, you know, football is important to the four people who are on this podcast. This obviously rippled out way beyond people who care a lot about football. It, mm-hmm. it rippled out in a way, like you said, this, this swell of human compassion and care. But I will tell you on the other side of that, it was, I mean, <laughs> for everything where you said on Twitter, people were like united in this positive way you hadn't seen. Well, turn a page to every single sports betting page. Oh, Jesus Christ. To every yeah. single uh, message board for fantasy players. And it is and has been all week an absolute crazy shit show yeah for some people it's because their first time is like this is a human being and what we're talking about doesn't matter just like this game doesn't matter just like of course you shouldn't go back out there and play it but for and and i want to ask that people give a little grace because some people move through things differently and they can't immediately see the humanity and and the of course you're not going to play moment they come at it from a different direction, which is, what are we going to do? Are we going to continue playing this game? And, and you know, great for people who immediately jump to, of course not. How dare you even suggest that? But this is also a game. It's a business. It's, it's a lot of things. And there are people whose first thoughts are going to be, do we continue playing this game? What are the protocols? Yeah. And for all of the, you know, there's a lot of people who are like, how dare these referees be like, I guess, you know, go warm up. I don't think that's how it went down. I think it was more like, okay, so normally we would say you get five minutes to warm up. <laughs> like, 
they yeah. don't know what to do. Totally. We, you are in a moment that is unprecedented, a word we're using way too much in these years. Um, you grasp at what you know. Yeah. And, oh, sorry. You muted yourself, Amelia. I did. I'm gesturing wildly. I need to bring it in. Bring it in. <laughs> uh, I, I, I I saw a lot of people lash out at other folks for asking questions like, well, are they going to finish the game? I don't think that's unreasonable to ask. It well, wasn't. And it had large implications on playoff seating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was my first. I was like, of course, they're going to have to play this game. They'll probably just play it tomorrow because my brain had not processed through enough of like, no, they're not. Yeah. And it wasn't until I moved into that next place you know, of putting myself in a situation and looking at these, at these players, um, especially, you know, the quarterbacks, cause we've got lots of tight shots of them and, and they both have such expressive faces and eyes mm-hmm. and we're like, Oh, sweet Jesus. Of course you can't play. Yeah. You can't play. That, the, it was heartbreaking <laughs> watching the reactions of the players on the sideline. In fact, when it was going into like minute 20 and, you know, he's still on the field and you have these players on the sidelines crying, I was fearing that there was a death on the field. I, <laughs> I was too. And because it was taking so long and they couldn't, mm-hmm. they weren't immediately taking him off, which we came yeah. to learn was because they needed to get his heart started before they mm-hmm. left that field. Um, I thought he was dead. Yeah. I thought this was taking so long because they were trying to figure out how to tell everyone. Totally. And then I thought it was a huge cover-up that they just were taking him to the hospital so that they could finish this game. Like I totally <laughs> right. believed that the evil empire was somehow going to force people to play. And I, I absolutely understand that it was you know, pushback from people in the moment, the, the players and the coaches who were like, no, like read the yeah. room. I, I love that the coaches the gestured heart. to each other from the sideline and met in the middle of the field mm-hmm. to both just say, we're calling this, right? Like, there's no way we can play this game. I thought that was a really cool move by both of them. Yeah. The they reper- both showed a lot of class, those two. Yeah. Absolutely. And 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 there, the repercussions, which I think we're going to talk about a little more, um, in a bit, but uh, are huge. But I yeah, am yeah. really proud of the the way in which ultimately things have been handled in taking the step back and addressing health and mental health. And you know, I don't, I don't want, I didn't want to watch those teams finish that game. Totally. I, I don't. Yeah. I actually didn't even want to watch football. Like I. I have to say, because it's something I love, I, I mean, I'm super thankful that he is uh, awake and alert mm-hmm. and apparently mentally um, showing to be completely mentally intact. He's very present. A lot of all these things that you look for, right, after uh, something like this happens. I'm selfishly also thankful that it happened so quickly because I don't, I can't, I can't watch this game until until I feel okay. And, mm-hmm. and I wasn't going to feel okay if this poor man was still in an in induced coma. Like, so selfishly, like, yeah, of course I'm thrilled. He's looking like he's going to be okay. And selfishly, I'm, I'm really happy it happened as quickly as it did because I'm no, no, seriously. I, I mean, Sunday, 
football, I think would have been really hard to watch if DeMar Hamlin was still um, unresponsive. Right. Yeah. Um, it's just I, so many I, I, I was almost expecting that the NFL was going to cancel um, the whole week and, um, and postpone the, you know, week 17 or week 18, uh, you know, to next week. Um, they didn't, um, they did cancel the game. So uh, both the bills and the Bengals will only play 16 games this season. Um, and then, uh, and the, the L the NFL for as difficult as this decision isn't for as, you know, the implications that it has in playoffs and playoff seedings, I thought they came up with as elegant a solution as they could. Um, yeah. Uh, Curtis, uh, do you, do you have anything to add to that? Uh, well, I think the three of you, uh, said a lot. Um, I actually wasn't watching the game. Um, I was at a friend's house, uh, having a movie night sort of, uh, hangout session. And so I came home probably around the seven o'clock hour. And it was actually when I started looking at the phone and seeing this whole text thread. And I was like, what the fuck happened? <laughs> sort of thing. And yeah. so when I realized, um, you know, I just went online, went on YouTube, started looking at things, went on Twitter. And um, it was just, you know, I saw the play and I agreed there was, it was, it looked like a very, very routine football play. Um, yeah. You know, he wasn't, set up in a really great position um, to get his shoulders down for the tackle to absorb the contact. And the ball carrier did what any ball carrier would do from peewee league on through college into the pros. And that's just sort of barrel down and try and fight for extra yardage. Right. Yeah. And so that's all that happened in that play. Hundreds of plays like that happen through the course of football games played throughout the weekends in America in the fall. Yeah. And nothing like that ever happens. Hardly, hardly at all. There was one time back in the mid nineties where uh, a game, I think that was played by the Detroit lions and somebody else, a linebacker by the name of Reggie Brown, um, uh, got injured on the field and stopped breathing um, for a while. And they had to get him breathing again, but his heart did not stop. Mm -hmm. um, so it just really reminded me uh, that, you know, that this is an inherently dangerous sport uh, that people um, willingly do. And I just... I just sort of feel like, you know, I, I've, I've always approached this game by and large from the perspective of the players that play it, mm -hmm. uh, because I played it a bit in high school. And I actually remember when I signed up for football my freshman year of high school, I had to sign this paperwork. And, you know, basically this a lot of it was, you know, waiver language. And I'm asking my dad, like what I'm signing. And he just blankly sort of stared at me and said, like, yeah, in case you die on the field, we can't sue the high school, <laughs> you know. Um, <laughs> and I was just like, oh, OK, you know, this is what I'm going <laughs> to do. And he's just like, yeah, chances are you're going to be fine. But, you know, this is what this is about, you know, and uh, so yeah uh we almost had a scenario which i think you know um 
many, many Americans that watch this sport willingly. And then I think many, many more Americans that don't particularly care for this sport have always sort of feared that, you know, someday somebody is going to lose their life playing this game. Mm -hmm. And it almost happened. And so I just sort of, for me, I just kind of went back to, you know, my own footprint as a fan and keeping in perspective as, you know, as, as, as intense as these games can be and how it can stir up emotions and stuff with either how I view, um, you know, players on rival teams that I don't particularly care for, or if there's some sort of player that I don't think is, you know, really towing the line, particularly all that well, like, you know, um, I just uh, I I just sort of want to sort of check myself on not trashing uh, these uh, young men that are uh, essentially risking their lives uh, to create a livelihood for themselves and you know um, a generation of family members that you know might come after them. I mean, they are, yeah, yeah. It's it's it, it's a highly dangerous sport, um, you know played properly you know a lot of injuries can be avoided and risked and and it's actually kind of surprising given the amount of football that is played you know all throughout the fall um weeks that you know more injuries like this don't occur you know um that's but that's the law of averages still sort of say it's kind of like it's almost kind of like you know the whole you know i i actually have a deep-seated fear of sharks and my wife thinks I'm totally nuts for this, right? <laughs> and so I spent a week on the shores in paradise on Maui. And I spent a lot of time in the water uh, with my kid on a boogie board and snorkeling and all this. Sort of, and there wasn't like there, there wasn't like a second in the water where I didn't consider like looking at my surroundings and sort of being aware because there's fucking tiger sharks in those waters. <laughs> and like, you know, most people go into those waters and never get attacked. But guess what happened just a few weeks ago on one of the beaches that we were hanging out? This woman from Bellingham and her husband were snorkeling down there and a fucking tiger shark grabbed a hold of her and ate her. And she was in a she was in she was she was like an experienced surfer and snorkeler and had been doing this for years. So it just I just feel like, you know, football, you know, there is that element of a fucking tiger shark on that field. Totally. You know, and I, I actually and I think this is what we were witness to. It mm -hmm. fucking happened. You know, and yeah. thank God, you know, they resuscitated him. And it was actually really interesting. I'll just end this sort of quickly is that the Seahawks had the wherewithal to, in their weekly press conferences, put the team doctor, the team physician out, you know, in front of the cameras and the microphone. And he sort of explained the whole protocols. And he's just, oh, yeah, we take this shit really seriously. We spend an hour before every game prepping for um the potential of a player going into cardiac arrest and what we're going to do on that field That's really interesting. so yeah. like the the league has been anticipating a scenario like this and 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 people can you know slam the league for maybe considering you know initially going on with the game but they had their shit together 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, to get that equipment onto the field with those um, physicians and get that man's heart um, resuscitated again and get him to the hospital. Like they were prepared for this scenario and they were prepared exceptionally well, yep. you know? Um, so I think they need to be commended for that. Um, you know, I didn't love hearing initially that, you know, there was, you know, they they were telling the officials, hey, let's get ready for these guys to warm up in five minutes and get back going. And then basically when word got around to Joe Burrow, he was just kind of like, yeah, no, fuck that. And, you know, he got a contingent of his players talking with Buffalo players and they were all kind of like, yeah, no, we're not going to do this. And so um, it sounds like Michael Silvers, that's the reporter that reported that on Twitter, that he had it on good authority, that that's how the whole thing went down. Yeah. yeah. Which is for the record, the NFL does uh, dispute the claim that they said to get ready, we're going to go in five minutes. Just, yeah. just so that all the, you know, the information is on the table. Uh, but ESPN and Michael Silver have both stood behind, like, yeah. no, that's what happened. That's what we heard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Then it's a that's a hearsay thing it's just yeah exactly exactly totally um I, I i think about this a lot you know it's hard sometimes being a fan of the nfl just knowing you know like what injuries can do not just you know the brain injuries but the knee injuries and the everything injuries that can uh really affect the quality of life of a player as they get older um, and, you know, and, and reconciling that with my enjoyment of watching the game. And one thing I keep thinking about is, you know, these players hopefully know the risks, uh, and have, you know, consented to that willingly themselves. And I, I think about, you know, I, I used to subscribe to a magazine called men's journal and, um, a lot of the articles they had were about, um, uh, extreme sports. So the people who would like, you know, do mountain peak climbs of, you know, the craziest variety or go off on hang gliders. And these were people who like their chances of dying as young men were pretty high. And a lot of them did, you know, dying at like 28, 29, 32 years old. Uh, because of uh, the activities they chose to do. And, you know, it's easy to say like, wow, they shouldn't be allowed to do that. But on the other hand, it's something they enjoyed doing and it was a risk they knew um, they were taking. Um, and so um, what I would like to see more of, I think, from football, not just the NFL, but college and high school as well, is just more comprehensive education about the kinds of risks that um, you would be taking if you were to enter into this sport, um, particularly around brain injuries and stuff like that. And I, you know, I don't even know if we should be doing full contact in high school anymore, um, just, you know, because of brain development and stuff like that. But that's, that's a topic for another pod, I think, but. I was going to say, I think that there's opportunity in all sports, because when you look at basketball players try to walk around, yeah, like the amount of, 
uh, strain that's gone on to their knees, their ankles, their hips, their their whole body. Like it, you don't want to move once you retire from that sport. Uh, yeah. And when you retire from the NBA and and to a certain extent, so- or sorry, the NFL and to a certain extent, soccer, uh, you're dealing with a lot of head, head injuries. Every time you had a ball, that's a minor, it can be a minor concussion. Yeah. Um, and that's where CTE really kicks in. So, uh, and most like, I think what Curtis said at the start of his statement, it's like here, here we're, or at the start of his little thing, here we're uh, rooting on people who are putting their bodies on the line for our entertainment. Like it's our gladiatorial um, right. event. And, um, you know, when you, when people ask the question of why are these people being paid as much as they're being paid, that's why. That's because why. what we're asking, what we're asking for them to do is to cut 15 years off of their life. That's right. Uh, and to make the last 20 years of their life, not high quality life. Like yeah. a lot of, I mean, you look at, again, you look at all that, you look at Troy Aikman, like his hands don't move. Right. His, he has talked at length about how concussions have affected his ability to maintain relationships with people. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I think that there is a lot of evaluation that can be done about where we are as a society in terms of supporting these. And like, that's coming from the the four of us who are like deeply engaged in this sport. So yeah, um, yeah it's, it's a really, it's a, it's a discussion that I hope this will help further. Totally. Um, societally. Yeah. And, you know, uh, you know, there's a lot of football players out there who have sustained injuries who didn't have, you know, Troy Aikman money or, you know, Ricardo Lockett was, Mm -hmm. you know, not getting paid much more than um, NFL minimum wage when he suffered that neck injury that took him out, Um, you know, Um, so yeah. Uh, but we're wishing uh, Damar Hamlin all the best, and um, the news that's come out is more than great, um, and I hope his condition continues to improve. Um, For the record, he, his first question when he came out was, did we win? Did we Which, win? Yeah. yeah, and like, like oh, that, there's levity to that, but also that kind of makes me sad a little bit too. I a hundred percent agree. But I understand why it's there. Um, It's just, it was just like, that was a woof moment for me. Totally. Um, uh, Jumping into Seahawks a little bit. Seahawks played the Jets last week uh, and uh, roundly beat them. That was a fun game to watch. What was the final score? 23 to six. 23 to six. 23 to six. That's a butt whooping. And it could have been a lot more if the Seahawks were a little more efficient in the red zone. Um, But Hey, hats off to the Seahawks. That Jets defense is no joke. Mm -hmm. Um, So I putting 23 points on that defense, I think uh, is a win. Uh, I I also like, uh, you know, Gino got some revenge there. Pete Carroll got some revenge there. I know Pete Carroll will never say it, but you know, that felt a little good. That felt. Carroll kind of says it. Yeah, does he? Yeah. No, he kind of says. He's just yeah. like, oh yeah, I, I you know, there's meaning behind playing. Yeah. It was a lifetime ago, but there's meaning there. Yeah. There's meaning yeah. there. Yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> he, he doesn't dodge that. He's a no. competitor. Um, 
the defense, uh, what the three weeks in a row put together another quality performance. Um, and now the question I do want to ask is, um, was, was that a quality of the defense being good? Like, are, are they continuing to show up or is it because the Jets offense is really bad? <laughs> is that to me? Yeah, whoever. What do you think? I, I, I'll just volunteer it. I, I think it's a combination of both. I think I think I, I feel uh, over the last three games, the defense has definitely been turning it around. I mean, if we go back to where they were against the um the Raiders and the Panthers I mean they were atrocious on you know um they couldn't stop anything um on the ground and I feel like they gave San Francisco a pretty good fight I feel like they adjusted to them a bit um and I think that they actually surprisingly played Patrick Mahomes uh pretty tough in Kansas city and they um, and I kind of feel like that game might've been the one for like all the youth on that side of the ball to go like, Oh shit, we just did this Patrick Mahomes, you know? Um, You think that has a bit to play in Pete Carroll's, you know, dogged commitment to continue with this um, Fangio defense. Um. Like in terms of like like not just adjusting seeing that it had success older. against a quarterback like Pat Mahomes and that yeah. it's they're kind of putting it together now. Yeah, I feel like he's committed to seeing it through. You know, I don't I don't think he wanted to pull the plug on you know the whole thing that his coaches put together. I mean, that just shows a total. I mean, I was sort of calling for it basically, but yeah. um, you know, he wasn't going to do that to Clint Hurt and. Yeah uh sean desai um uh and i think we're seeing the benefits of that i mean i think yeah. I, I feel like the gap integrity is better um mm-hmm. at the line of scrimmage um they're still getting gashed a bit initially but you know when you're in when you're showing the three four look i mean that's just a defense that will be more willing to give up, you know, yards on the ground to, you know, put pressure on the quarterback. Um, Which they're doing. They're like, finally really getting after the quarterback. Yeah, Daryl Taylor has really been sort of exploding here lately and showing, you know, more and more promise. But yeah, I think that that the 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 turn on defense has been um like a surprising sort of positive sort of turn of events. Yeah. Uh, for me personally, as as a fan, I was super, super like all but like done with that defense four weeks ago. And now I'm kind of like, oh, OK, that's kind of interesting again. Yeah. yeah. One thing that comes to mind about that defense is that it was designed with the very specific intention of utilizing Jamal Adams. And he mm. went down in the first game of the season. Now, like the, the decision becomes then, do we go back to what we know and was built before Jamal Adams? Or do we keep this thing that we just built around him uh, and try and, and use other players to do it? And I think it just took some time when we saw uh, how, how the season has gone. Um, and I think that the other players are starting to get it. And then if you think about what's going to happen with Jamal, I think he's probably played his last game as, as a Seahawk. But if he were to come back on some qu- kind of reduced deal, maybe that would indicate like 
uh, oh, hey, this defense that's built around Jamal mm-hmm. is going to be a, a fire, uh, you know, we're going to burn bridge, we're going to whatever. I'm having a trouble with the euphemism right now. <laughs> yeah. I agree. I, 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 I too wonder if Jamal's played his last game, especially with how well Ryan Neal has, uh, has come on this season. Um, the, uh, the Seahawks offense finally started, you know, stringing together some drives and uh, they were pretty good on third down. Um, a lot of that had to do with uh, K-9 uh, really having a dominating game, but also I think that offense really needs Tyler Lockett, you know, to convert some of those third downs. What do you think, Millie? I I mean, you know, is it a coincidence that, you know, they kind of put it together when Tyler's back? I know he didn't play like a full game, but still. Well, for sure. Um, You know, you need your little lucky charm, which is our pocket locket. Um, also, he's just a fantastic football player. Like for all of my, um, you know, cutification of Tyler Lockett, he's a phenomenal <laughs> football player. He's an amazing receiver. And he is the difference, difference maker on this team as far as the receiver court goes. Yeah. Um, DK Metcalf in this game was close to useless. Um, most of that had to do with the fact he was being covered by Sauce Gardner. But Sauce is good, man. Sauce is good. But you know, looking back over some of those those plays and 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 Gino's trying to get him the ball and and in the end zone it happens to I mean he's in double coverage. One of yeah. those people is Sauce Gardner. He's not gonna get the ball. But then there was the sideline catch. That should have been this amazing. That was a gorgeous fucking throw. That was one of the best blows. That was between two defenders in his freaking lap. Mm, It was gorgeous, and it It was was like so good. Yeah, and that was just that was just that was just a brazen drop. Yeah, and I will also give. uh, So yes, you need Lockett, and hopefully he's playing this week. He is still. He's still questionable. He has a shin injury. I missed when he, I somehow missed the play. He was hurt, but um, he's expected to play, but he's a shin injury. So that makes Mm. me a little nervous for this week. Um, Yeah. The other really bright shining spot, other than Ken Walker looking more and more like who we think he is, is was DJ Dallas. Um, DJ played great. DJ Dallas played fantastic. And he got to be who I think at the beginning of the season, who we thought he was going to be in if you had, well, I should say, I mean, in the beginning of the season, we have Rashad Penny. It was a very different circumstance. <laughs> but DJ right. Dallas is, is this utility player. And when he and Kenneth Walker, I think they had like two games together where we got to kind of see how this could work. And it was back where, you know, it's it's not the Kenneth Walker play. And there's this gorgeous play where Gino just – there's nothing, there's nothing. So Gino just kind of casually dumps the ball, just bloop, and and calm Gino, which is the Gino who we yes. love, who wins games. When he doesn't look like he is trying to make everything happen, when he has the ability to calmly see everything happening around him, he is a fantastic quarterback who finds that one person who's like, yeah, I think you could probably get three yards. Turns out it's 13. Hey. I loved it. That like shovel that looked like 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 peak Mahomes, where it was like yes. it looked like he was gonna take off and just get a couple, but then he saw an open Dallas yep. and just the little shovel pass. 
I thought he fucked it up. I thought he was past the line of scrimmage. I was like, oh, but it was a forward pass. <laughs> and then I was like, I don't know. He was still behind the line of scrimmage. I was like, was he? And then, yeah, I mean, absolutely. Not even a question. Yeah. I didn't realize how far back he started. But um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there was a lot of really, really bright spots on the offensive drives. The red zone defense from the Jets was strong. I mean, they held it us to go for a reason. And they have all season long had a fantastic defense. Yeah. But we also, I mean, we were playing Mike White, but um, <laughs> we also had two fantastic interceptions. And um, <laughs> it wasn't Tariq Woolen, it was Diggs and it was Michael Jackson. Like yeah. everybody was playing. Everybody and was Tariq playing had that drop, which was just like, uh, it would have been great for Tariq to get an interception, you know, on the, you know, there was a little story of like Tariq versus Sauce. But also just to take the lead and the interceptions for the season would have been great. Yeah. 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 No, really Thank goodness they got that ball back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Poor Michael Jackson. He's like, yeah, and he's going. And then pop. And I was like, oh, no. oh my God. That terrified me. I know. Good for yeah. Mike. I I Mike Jackson has been has been good this season. I've liked him. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, everything has, it was, was turning the way that we talked about. We needed to see it turn what we wanted yes. to see in these games to give us hope, to make us think maybe we could do something if we somehow get into a wild card situation. Um, you know, we're firing on almost all cylinders. Uh, so we'll see what happens this week. We will see what happens this week. So uh, that, that win brings the season to eight and eight. Uh, we are right in the wild card hunt. We do not own our own destiny. Uh, we have to rely on the Lions to beat the Packers in Green Bay. Uh, and then we have to take care of business at home versus uh, the Los Angeles Rams. Um, I think us taking care of our end uh, will be, I don't want to say easy, but I think that's doable. Um, relying on the Lions to beat Green Bay in Green Bay in December or January, um, that's, uh, that's a little harder. A little tougher. I just, I just got, I'm so, I'm so, I'm angry. I'm just so angry. Yeah, tell me. Green Bay, Green Bay sucked. They sucked. They sucked all oh, year. No. They don't deserve to be in this circumstance. They Agreed. Don't, don't deserve this. And because of because of their percentage with like give me a fucking break they don't i deserve agree this. if Fuck you look man. at TikTok over the course of the last six weeks which is a roughly equates to their winning streak and, and how they've been to pull themselves back into uh, uh fighting contention for playoffs there are so many videos that are specifically about how the nfl is rigged to get Green Bay <laughs> into Green the playoffs Bay, yeah. uh, because because it's a classic because the nfc this year has a lot of those like reputable teams, you know, the Dallas will be in the playoffs, the giants. Uh, these are uh, the 49ers. Um, these are all like big name, uh, long standing histories of quality play. They all have more than two Super Bowls. Uh, and then adding Green Bay to that, they think will just dramatically improve the ratings on the sport. When in fact, like, I think, everybody watches that excuse me nfl football in the playoffs like well you don't I, need to have san francisco green bay can i uh can i can i jump into the conspiracy a little bit here 
Here's the thing about uh, the NFL and uh, and the NFC playoff teams. I think the NFL is scared that the NFC isn't going to have they, like the if you look at the quarterbacks the NFC is putting into the playoffs. It's like Brock Purdy, <laughs> you know what I mean? Dak um, Prescott. Dak Prescott, you know, it's it, there's no like marquee storied legendary names. Prescott's pretty good though. He, he he's good, he's but he's you know. But then there's Daniel Jones, Kirk Cousins and Kirk Cousins. Yeah. Uh, and well, uh, Tom Brady. <laughs> yeah, the rotting corpse of Tom Brady. And uh uh and Jalen Hurts or uh you know, are we going to get uh you know, are we going to get um, his backup? Why? Yeah. Oh, Minshew. Minshew, my boy Minshew. Yeah. <laughs> Minshew hasn't been doing too good. He hasn't. He's not no, looked good. Sort of. But here's the thing. He's fun to watch. I just like Minshew's swagger out there. I feel like uh, I feel like every time Minshew takes the field, like right before he takes a hike, he has to like take one last puff of a cigarette and like flick it. Before he calls hike, it's like, you know, one, yeah, hike. Yeah. <laughs> Shotgun a Red Bull. That's right, Shock. Yeah. That's his uh, victory. That's his touchdown dance. Um, like, yeah, um, but I don't know. Yeah, maybe they, they need Aaron Rodgers in there. Just like they need Tom Brady in there. Oh, fucking Tom Brady. Yeah. Right? Like, fucking same Tom deal. Brady. Like, how did they pull it out? at the end to be in a situation where it's, it's, it's a conspiracy happens. Millie. There's no reason Tom Brady should be in there. That team is also dog shit. That team does not deserve to be in the playoffs. Well, and you know that I will say for that game, I mean, all of a sudden Brady and Evans have a connection again and they've got three. I know. I don't know how much the, the rest of you watch a lot of the other games, but the connections between Brady and Evans last Sunday were spectacular yeah these huge long passes one of them was like this incredible catch like but i can't stand mike evans don't get me wrong and 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 it just shouldn't be happening (laughs) it shouldn't be happening they haven't been able to connect all season it's been an issue they're fighting about it and then all of a sudden it's you know oh we need to win this game and they put their shit aside and and have this brilliant connection and I just want to rip my hair out. <laughs> I kind of think that's what it is, though, honestly. I mean, I think that's what it is with Tampa. I think that's what it is with Green Bay. I mean, they still they they they've just got players at the most important position that have done it at a high level for such a long time. It's like the it's like the hundred year old alligator in the swamp, right? Like there's <laughs> yeah. other, there's other, there's other faster alligators. There's other probably stronger alligators out there, but that fucker has been there for a hundred fucking years old and knows exactly <laughs> what to do, when to do it and how to do it. And that's why he's alive. Well, you're, that's you're, interesting. You're absolutely right. And that's exactly, and the other thing is being healthy at the right time too. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Those guys are all suddenly healthy. And then yeah. you look at something like the Eagles where Jalen Hurts, who has been the most fantastic thing about football this season is, is hurt for two weeks and probably not playing again this week no. and will suddenly have to play again in the playoffs and, and be rusty and, and probably disappointing because he's not healthy at the right time. Yeah. Justin feels amazing and then not healthy at the right time to to push them through anywhere. So that's the other piece of it. I think you're right. These these 
alligators who can yeah. afford to be hurt years at old. the beginning of the season. Yeah. I know the thing about those two quarterbacks too, is like, they have a history of kind of shit in the bed in the first half of the season. And then just suddenly going on a tear. Like how many times have we gone, ah, Tom Brady's over the hill. This is it for him. He's not winning. He's not going to the playoffs. And then he just rips it off, you know, seven wins in a row. Aaron Rodgers does the same thing. Every time we're like, well, this is it for Aaron Rodgers. Does he love the game anymore? I think he doesn't want to do it. And then all of a sudden Aaron Rodgers starts uh, stringing together some wins. Yeah. These fucking hundred year old alligators in the swamp. Maybe it's because the NFL designs it for them to be able to do that. <laughs> I like this conspiracy. I, I, yeah, I'm here for it. Well, so here's what I want to ask. I want to ask Aaron Rodgers to uh, San Francisco next season. Is that going to happen? I don't care. I think it's going to be Brady. Brady to San Francisco? I mean, that's the rumor. Oh, he, please, he, God. He wanted I to go to that. Brady. He wanted to go to San Francisco all along. That's where he's from. I mean, as a system quarterback, it worked great. Actually, he would probably be kind of scary in the Shanahan offense. Yeah. But the, I, I, I want to bury Tom Brady twice a season. Yeah, give it to me. You know, an 8,000-year-old 8, Methuselah Brady. Yeah, give it to me. That's what I, I want. I actually see if, if – if, if if Rogers, I don't think they can move him because of all the guaranteed money that they signed yeah. him to. That like I just think it destroys their cap. I think he's yeah. there. Um, but if there was a team to be able to throw enough at Green Bay to do it, I could actually see Mark Davis and Vegas. <laughs> I, I kind of think uh, Tom Brady is more wanting uh, a thirty nine year old quarterback because of his name. Like that would be such an Al Davis thing to do. Totally. But you know that um, Devontae Adams would go running, like he would want out immediately because I'm pretty sure it wasn't just I want to play with Derek Carr. It was also I don't want to play. I with want to get away from yeah. Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I'd be a, um, a lot of popcorn to consume. Yeah. So, uh, you know, to further the conspiracy, uh, the Lions Packers are playing the night game. So the Seahawks will be playing the Rams before them, which means the conspiracy goes. If Seattle wins, then the Lions have nothing to play for. And, uh, you know, the NFL is serving that platter up to the Packers to take. And uh, if the Packers win, they go to the playoffs. Um I I'm interested in how this is going to go. I mean, I think it's a long shot for the lions to beat the Packers in green Bay. Uh, but I don't know. This lions team has been pretty dangerous, um, you know, and we need the lions to win. So if we beat the Rams on Sunday, then, uh, then we will have to wait um, to see if the lions can beat uh, green Bay to know before we know if we're, going into the postseason how do we think that's going to go i'll just go quickly and i'll go first um i'm just whatever i want a scenario where green bay doesn't get into the playoffs i want the seahawks to get into the playoffs but honestly worst case scenario is green bay getting in so not seattle not getting in so i'm going to say that the rams are going to beat the seahawks which will give De uh, detroit the energy to beat the packers uh, the motivation Honestly, to beat the Packers. And I think that that's the most pragmatic scenario, right? Like that's the way we ensure that the Packers don't get in. If we yeah. win, 
then they're just going to be like, here you go. Here's 500 yards of penalties against the Lions. Get your getting uh, <laughs> Green Bay. If the Seahawks, if the Rams do beat the Seahawks, I will become a, a Lions fan. Oh, 1,000 presents. I'll be in one already. I, I, I fucking, want them to be in the playoffs. I, I yeah. want us more, but. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't want Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs, but also. Keep like, that I, fucking COVID denier out of the playoffs. I like what the Lions are doing this season, yeah. and they're kind of an underdog. I like the whole story. I like it. Yeah. What do you think, Curtis? Uh, How is it going to go down? I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a tougher game this week than it was last week. I think, I think, I think the, it's a division rivalry. Um, I think the Rams want nothing more than to spoil the Seahawks season and the chance of a Cinderella story. I think they're going to come up here fighting and scrapping. And I think they're going to throw everything at, Seattle uh Mm -hmm. I think a lot of the players on the defense are going to be jacked up because it's an opportunity uh for uh Bobby Wagner um Mm -hmm. to you know beat the team that cut him you know and so they they had that chip on the shoulder the last time they played and they played him that way so I think I think I think Wagner's going to be you know, sewed up with a ton of emotions. I think he's going to be playing his ass off. And I think his teammates are probably going to be there with him. But I also think that Seattle sees the opportunity. Um, And I think that they're going to carry a momentum uh, from their win next week. And I think they know what's in store in this game. I don't think, I don't think, I don't think the Rams are going to surprise Seattle. So I'm going to say Seattle carries the day but it's going to be closer than last week i think it'll be probably something like 2317 seahawks and then i think uh that's as far as their season goes because i think it's the packers that's going to end up winning that game yeah i uh i also think it's going to be a battle um i also think the seahawks are going to take it against the rams it's at home pete carroll is going to have this team fired up I think uh, they have a lot of momentum coming out of that Jets game and they know what they can do. Um, I think it's going to be Seahawks 30, Rams 28. Um, Unfortunately, I also think that the Packers are going to beat the Lions in Green Bay and spoil the Seahawks chances of uh, going into the postseason. Well, Fuck that. Yeah. <laughs> no. No. I'm going to manifest. Okay. We're going to manifest Let's do this it. right yeah. now. Everything I'm hearing is, yeah, the Rams want to come up here. They want to screw up our chances. We're doing it for Bobby. Bobby wants to take it to the Hawks and steal their... Fuck that. This is, this is, this is smoke. No. Th- what they're doing is trying to convince people they have a chance they do want to do it for bobby but they don't have the weapons so no the hawks are going to take this they're going to have the 12s it's the last game they have momentum things worked last week i don't think it's going to be a super high scoring game so i am going to go 21 13 no i like it yeah and you know what green bay thinks too much of themselves 
They don't deserve it. I don't yeah. care how many flags can be thrown. I'm going to manifest the Lions. Let's go, Detroit. Let's go, Detroit. Go, Detroit. <laughs> I've been wrong Quite all year. <laughs> I wanted a an historically bad game from Aaron Rodgers. I wanted to throw like four picks and just I get see buried. Him cry and blame everybody and break some some Microsoft Surface pads. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't that brave? The best Aaron Rodgers is the Aaron Rodgers that's crying on the sideline, like pouting on the bench. No. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's not strong enough to break them. He's thrown them, but they don't break. <laughs> Alana, do you have a score for the Rams win? Uh, 27 to 17. Oof. Oh, Rams are going to stomp them. I, I don't think that's a stomping. I don't think 10 points is a stomping. Yeah. Um, but I, but note that I don't, like, I don't... That is a manifestation as well. That is manifesting a reality where Detroit gets in. Yeah. And you know what else I'm manifesting? Broncos loss. Yeah. I, I want, uh, I want, I mean, what I'd really love is like pick number three, pick number two. That's not going to happen. Uh, but I'll, I'll take pick number four. I'll take pick number four. Pick number three. If they lose, it's pick number three. Regardless of what else happens, it's if oh. they win, then it could be four or five. And who are they? Playing? They're playing San Diego, who's already clinched the playoffs. And if I think if the Ravens win, then they're not going to play their starters because then the Ravens would clinch the higher seed. Yeah. Okay. Fortunately for us, the 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 Broncos have a hard time beating second string squads too. So, true <laughs> <laughs> story. I will say, as far as the the flex the flex conspiracies, I'm really looking forward to the Titans Jaguars, and I really wish that that was the Sunday night game. Agreed. I feel like it should be because it really is because a- historically it's the win and end. So I'm yeah. I'm I'm disappointed that's not the Sunday night game. Um but it, it is what it is. I mean, I would have the it probably just means Green Bay would have played first with the Lions, which mm-hmm. even that would have been better, I feel yeah. like. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. And and they would have had the same primetime slot. So totally. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm so mad. <laughs> Uh, before we get into dorking, I just wanted to brag about the Kraken a little bit. Kraken are on a three-game win streak, uh, and uh, they've won their games by three goals or more in each of those wins. That's been really fun. Maddie awesome. Beneers going into the All-Star game, also really fun. Uh, yeah. Also, uh, uh, in today's game, um, so the Kraken uh, just um, got a guy off the waivers uh, who was put on the waivers by the Nashville Predators and uh, he scored the first goal of the game. So, like, that's kind of fun. Congrats, you know? buddy. I know. And then Maddie Padilla. Welcome to Seattle. Got a score. Yeah. Um, so that's really fun. Also, uh, Shane Wright uh, playing in uh, Team Canada's uh, Hockey World Cup, and and they're doing really well. And so, uh, you know, go go cracking. That's been really cool. fun. 
I just wanted to quickly call out um, that uh, I know that this is not an NBA podcast, but the the happenings in the league mm-hmm. uh, have been pretty astounding right now. Mm-hmm. Um, we uh, Luka Doncic had a 61-20-10 game where that is he such a bonkers stats, right? And then um, uh, uh, Donovan Mitchell just had a 71-8-8 game, I think. Uh, and meanwhile, uh, uh, Giannis put up 55, which is a career high. But I just wanted to talk about the Luka thing. Um, uh, not only did he have a 61-20-10 or 61-20-11, um, he uh, brought the team back from down – I want to say 13 or no down nine. No, it was down 13 with under 30 seconds left Um, and hit the game, a game tying bucket. And then literally did this dance. (laughs) Like on the court, (laughs) like it was the most beautiful memeable thing that I've ever seen. Um, So I highly recommend uh, finding that if you can. That's awesome. Um, he's fun to watch. Yes. Yeah. Um, why don't we get in some dorking? I'll start. You know what I've been dorking out about? Uh, I uh, So the new God of War game came out. I never played any of the other ones. So I picked up um, uh, the last one that came out. And goddamn, that's a good game. I should have picked it up sooner. I'm sorry I didn't. I know everybody was saying it was like the game of the year in 2018, and I just sat on it. I don't know why. It's way in my wheelhouse. It's about, uh, uh, at least in this one, I, there, in, in previous God of War games, uh, it took place uh, in Greek mythology. Go, you know, uh, Kratos, who is the character that you play, is the son of Zeus, because of course, because Zeus is a slut. Um, and he goes to war with the Greek pantheon, um, and then through those games, uh, he gets banished, and um, and then it picks him up years and years and years later. Um, he has a son, and he's hiding out in Asgard, so now we're in Norse mythology. Greek mythology, Norse mythology, like, this is way in my wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. This is the kind of stuff that I loved as a kid. I know all the myths. I know all the characters. Um, and then on top of it all, the sort of the character arc of the whole thing is about this older, this this man who has matured. He's older. He's raising a son. Um, it picks up uh, where his wife has died and his son's <clears throat> mother. And so now it's about grief. Uh, and then it's about um, uh, this man who... Um, is a demigod and is powerful in all these ways and completely insecure about um, raising uh, this son on his own Um, and then reconciling his own sort of like toxic masculinity traits of rage and, you know, all of this stuff that he doesn't want to pass on to his kid. Uh, And then he's caught up in it all. I I haven't played far enough to find out what the mystery is, but early in the game, um, in their little cabin out in in the, you know, in the boondocks of Asgard, uh, they are met by a man who goes by the stranger 
uh, which I immediately identified as Balder, who in Norse mythology myths always goes by the stranger. Um, and uh, and he he's a bad guy. And he and Kratos kind of get into it. Kratos keeps saying, like, please leave me alone. I want none of this. You know, go away. And he keeps bothering him and, and he's forced to fight him. And then they're on the run and they have to find out why these, you know, uh, people are after him. Um, I think it's uh, it's just uh, it's a really good game, and the relationship between Kratos and his son is very touching throughout. And then uh, just you know the grief around their um, mother and wife dying and all of that. Um, really good stuff. That's what I'm dorking out about. It's a good game. Play it if you haven't. It's on PS4, uh, the PS systems only. So I don't. Yes, have the it is an exclusive. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, which is a bummer because I would because it's also right up my alley. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I'm dorking out about. Millie, what so are you dorking out about? Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh no, Alana, you wanna you wanna dork out? Let's. No, that's okay. It's go, Millie. Sure. Um, I am dorking out about a show that I wasn't expecting much from. Uh, which is season three of Jack Ryan. Um, mm. I'm sure many people gave up on it. Maybe on in Amazon season Prime. one without even finishing season one. It's on Amazon Prime. Uh, and season three is what you wanted this show to be. It is a show about a CIA agent. You know, we got we got possible nuclear stuff we got russians we've got we've got subterfuge we've got you know friends outside the agency helping you out there's no love story finally <laughs> so we don't have to get dragged down into a bunch of bullshit about who he loves and and how you can live in both worlds or who he loves and how he has to hide it from them and it turns out they knew who he was all along because they're ah. actually some sort of secret double agent blah no now this is just the action movie series you wanted it to be you still have to pay way more attention than you do in a lot of other shows because <laughs> the plot is thick and there are a lot of characters with two c's <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is thick um and there's a lot of um to be blunt european white dudes who all look the same so you have to pay attention <laughs> But uh, it is it is a lot of fun if you like a good spy thriller and it's what you wish it was season one. That's that sounds you really. Don't great. need to know anything about season one or two. Is that really? Oh, that's great. Yeah, don't give me the love story. I want a spy story. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, Lana, what do you got? Uh, the we went and saw I went and saw the Fablemans last night. I loved it. There are three seconds of film in that that are among the best three seconds of film that I have ever seen in my entire life, uh, just based on the context and uh, what it built up to. Uh, the moment this happened, I immediately started immediately started weeping. It was perfect um, in that moment. There, there were flaws with the movie, but I really liked it overall. But just that three seconds was like stunning filmmaking. And it, it's so significant um to the storytelling and the story and it's so significant to steven spielberg's story that i think it's worth calling out the other thing i wanted to say is i've been doing a similar thing with a game that i never 
got to, which is Assassin's Creed Unity, which is mm. the French one. I'm enjoying it. Uh, I'm almost done with it. Uh, I play those games. I love those games. They're very good. Uh, but the last thing I wanted to just share about was a TV show um, that is accessible on Hulu called Lodge 49. I don't think we talked about this um, last year, but it is a story about a Masonic order called the Lynx um, or, or a fraternal order called the Lynx that mo that's modeled after Masonic order or the elk or things like that. And it has pieces of magical realism in it. And it is uh, really kind of the story of Don Quixote. Um, and it stars Wyatt Russell and a um, whole bunch of people you probably haven't seen in, any, in anything else. Uh, and one of the beautiful parts about it is it gives a lot of uh, opportunities to older actors. Like most of the core cast is over 50 or 60. Uh, wow. And there are a bunch of people of color uh, in it in various roles of impact. Um, and it really explores the relationship between Wyatt Russell's character and his twin sister that's played by a Brit named, uh, I think, Sonia Cassidy. Um, and their relationship and her performance is outstanding. Uh, I highly, highly recommend it. It's, a, it's, an, it's an hour long hangout dramedy um, where you just get into it and just love the characters. And you want to show up to the lodge and have a drink with them. Uh, I don't know very many, many people who've watched it. Um, it only got two seasons. Uh, and uh, the, the state of all these people, it just feels like a kind of a place we were all in during the pandemic where we're broken and damaged and harmed. And we we're just looking for community, you know, and a place to, to sit down and have a drink and have a chat. Um, and potentially find a mentor, which is what happens. But there's a character uh, played by David Pakezi, who, if you watched Veep, was um, uh, her ex-husband. Um, and he's been in a bunch of other different things. And he plays this stoner blaze. And he's just feasting on the role. And his line deliveries throughout are beautiful. So I highly recommend it. Check it out. Lodge 49 on Hulu. Sounds good. My Russell's, I actually I like saw him. that on your spreadsheet list. And because yeah. of that, I added it to my queue on Hulu. Cause it was like, oh, nice. I read your little like one liner. Just, I was like, okay, this sounds like this would be up my alley. So yeah, like, yeah. I, I think I, it's a mix between um, the resort and always sun or, and cheers. Let's just say that the resort <laughs> and cheers. Cause there me are, at the resort. Yeah. <laughs> Great. That sounds good. Curtis, what do you got? I, uh, I got a couple of things. Um, I, um, I binged through season three of Barry. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, it's a good show. It was, uh, uh, fucked up in all the right ways and fucked up in all the right ways. Super fucked up show. I thought really <laughs> fucked up watching it at the end. Uh, girlfriend when she got all drawn into like the toxic sort of nature of uh revenge and carnage and all that sort of shit was super fucked up yeah sad it's a sad story really i mean it's sort of billed as kind of a comedy but i didn't find it i mean there was amusing moments you know i mean they throw levity in there but um yeah really interesting protagonist who's basically a sad psychopath you know i mean 
it's, which they uh, really highlight in that season. Yeah. 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 Which I and, find and, and and the ending was terrific. Um yeah, it was good television. It's good writing. Mm-hmm. I I I'd not I, I was a big fan of Barry season one and two, but I feel like they must have gone on hiatus with that show or something. Mm-hmm. I was halfway through this last season before I started to sort of tie in who these secondary characters were. Like I almost needed a rewatch mm-hmm. of the previous seasons to sort of get the impact of this. So uh, I don't know why they did that, but it was sort of. It I, was I, COVID. I'm sure it was, it was COVID, COVID related. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. 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 Well, there you go. Uh, and then the other thing is, uh, I'm going to tie it back to sports. Uh, I watched the Peach Bowl on uh, Saturday night, and um, I am now a huge uh, CJ Stroud fan. Yeah. Um, I um, I've I've been a Geno guy all year. If uh, if Seattle uh, extends him and he's my quarterback next year, I'll be happy. But if they fucking draft CJ Stroud, I will yeah. lose my goddamn mind. Uh, that dude put on a show against the best defense in America in college football. And um, yeah, somebody's going to draft a good quarterback out of that. Day. I just think yeah. like I, 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 I can picture him and that Waldron offense. And mm-hmm. I think all his skill sets is, is just fits perfectly with it. Yeah. I'm I tuned into that game man. specifically to watch Jalen Carter. Cause I feel like that's the guy on Seahawks twitter that everybody wants seattle to draft for yeah. you know a big defensive tackle but i just kept on going like oh shit stroud yeah <laughs> it's like I, unfortunately for the seahawks i think uh chicago might draft him and if arizona fields no what i think no. is gonna happen i think chicago some chicago will probably trade back at a two some team will probably get in front of seattle to take a quarterback especially if a quarterback goes which everybody's anticipating to houston first overall i i can actually see a scenario where quarterbacks go one two three in this draft um, oh i was talking four. about carter i thought chicago yeah. would draft uh Jalen carter Oh, oh yeah, God, Carter, got it, sure. got it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Carter's probably going to Chicago. Chicago, yeah. And if Arizona gets uh, a spot ahead of Seattle, uh, if if Carter doesn't go to Chicago, I think Carter goes to Arizona. Um, yeah, can be great on both teams. Um, well, I I love that that uh, that Seattle's in a position to get C.J. Stroud. I'm a huge C.J. Stroud fan, and I would be over the moon if that was the pick um yeah i like him a lot yeah he's good stuff uh hey if you're listening to this podcast uh you should check out curtis's blog 12life.com he's always got a bunch of interesting things to say about the seahawks and the breakdown of their games um if you like it you should uh hit that like button or the follow button or whatever it is wherever you follow it we're on Google and Apple podcast and uh, Spotify and all of them. And if we're not on the ones you follow, let us know and we'll get on there. Uh, Once again, my name is Daniel for Millie Curtis Alana, the rest of the twelves saying goodbye and go Hawks. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Go Lions.